What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 113, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Frozen. 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 Uh, I thought to myself that I really should have made um, a Madonna joke last week, Zach, because in the l- mid-90s, late-90s, Madonna had that song, Frozen, and I liked it. I thought it was good, but whatever. Uh, it would have well. been a... Tr- I didn't. I didn't take the opportunity. But, you know... You went for the low-hanging fruit. Very But low. I just say, let it go, and let's move oh. on. <laughs> Hey, friends, if you think that this garbage that we make is actually that great, good news! We're going to keep making it! We're an independent podcast, and if you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. We've got tiers and privileges and stuff. Zach can tell you more about that in a minute. Uh, One of the privileges that we have is we make some Patreon-first podcasts. Got the other side of the gate with Zach and David. They talk about spoilery stuff. Um, I literally get the audio file. I put it on, and I walk away. I have no idea what they say. Uh, And we also do, Zach and I do a thing called Stargate Second Chances. We re-watch episodes based off of votes that you get. It's really great. This is Patreon-first content, but not Patreon-only content. Don't worry. Everything that we make eventually makes it onto our main feed, which you are listening to right now. And if anyone in your life needs some quality Stargate podcast content, you can tell them that they can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and my personal favorite, Podcast Aggregators. They just type in Walking Through the Stargate, and then they'll find us. And Zach. Yes. uh, If anybody wants to let us know that they noticed that I finally rewrote the intro, and as a result, not only is it smoother, but it also has a bit of a quality of pre-written can that I was realizing as I was kind of reading it out that I need to go back over it, not this episode, but later episodes, and really make it more personable. How might they How might they get a hold of us to let us know that they missed that real clumsy way that I used to do the intro? So if you have a great idea for how Brent can fix this intro to make mm-hmm. it just smooth as silk. Smooth as silk, but also personable. But also personable. You know, silk can be very personable. Uh, I guess you're right. (laughs) I have no idea where I'm going with that, but that's okay. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In any case, (laughs) if you want to do any of those types of things, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-S-Gmail.com. At gmail.com. Spelt as it should be, friends. Spelt as it should be. Yep. Uh, at this point in time, I do want to give a special thank you uh, to both Drew and Scotty for joining our Patreon this yes. last week. Thank you very much to both of you. Uh, we appreciate you, and we appreciate everybody. Um, so that does mean that we are getting close to... Uh, we're yeah. two-thirds of the way, roughly, of yeah. hitting our goal yeah. of watching and uh discussing stargate infinity so if you want that to happen let us know yeah um so join us on the patreon uh you can also follow us on twitter at stargate walking yep go to the facebooks and you can go type in walking through the stargate and we have a facebook page go ahead and that like subscribe follow whatever bells and whistles it is for that and then go over to the facebook group 
walking through the Stargate Facebook group and yes. hit the I'd like to join because we will love to have you and join us and participate in the conversations that happen there around Stargate and such. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Also, you can go to our website. Brent, did you know that we have a website? We have a website that I keep forgetting about and I promise to keep making content and I just don't do it. You need content about grilled cheese sandwiches. Yes. And we have a list uh, from Anne. She made that wonderful list yes. of, of uh, everybody's predictions and such. And uh, we can put that up there. And we do have to celebrate those who get them perfectly right. Yes. At the very least, we should have a list of those who get it perfectly right, if not everybody's. So That's a good point. Um, all of those uh, things. Zach, where can they find that website? You didn't say it yet. Oh, it is wtts.space space and if you can't remember wtts.space <laughs> space <laughs> you can also go to walkingthroughthestargate.com yeah that's true and they'll get you the too same many place. letters too many letters that's a lot of letters uh, and, and i can't get through them all apparently and um somebody another podcast that i'll listen to fairly regularly what was it they've got, i can't remember what their website is but um they were laughing because the URL is like really tough to type on a phone with a touchscreen telephone with a yeah like like you know it's a piece of cake to type if you're like on a mechanical keyboard because that's when they made the website <laughs> was when most people accessed <laughs> websites through a keyboard <laughs> it made all yeah. the sense in the world back then yeah um, so wtts dot space piece of cake to get through on your on your telephone yep absolutely absolutely. Yes. Well, Brent, yes. shall we dig into this episode of Frozen? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Well, we have familiar names for the director and the teleplay. We've got Martin mm-hmm. Wood. This is third mm-hmm. of seven uh, directing credits this season. And, of course, we've got Robert C. Cooper. Uh, this is his third writing credit of five plus one ah, story yes. credit uh, gotcha. this season. Uh, so we say hello again to Martin and Robert for that. We have hello. several guest actors, and here mm-hmm. comes my kitty. She's oh, going hello, to come kitty. and make a mess of things, probably. Hello, Vala. Who knows? In any case, she is not one of the guest actors for this show. No. But Terrell Rothery is, as yes. Dr. Janet Frazier. Yes. And Gary Jones does get credit for being uh, on this episode. And yeah. now I wonder, it's like, he's not there for most of it. And I can't remember, does he show up a little bit at the end? I mean, is he there for any of it? See, I think what ended up happening is that he was there for some scenes that got cut. Probably. Um, I, I can't remember seeing him actually let in me, this episode. Let's complete. Let me just say this: um, if he's there, he didn't have a speaking role. There you go. Right. There you go. Uh, we have several guest actors, however, for this. We mm-hmm. have Venus Terzo, who plays mm-hmm. Doctor Francine Michaels. Mm-hmm. She was born in '67 in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, she is best known for her voice work on Beast Wars Transformers in the mid-90s, Da Vinci's Inquest in the late 90s, and also X-Men Evolution in the 2000s. Uh-huh. Apparently, she speaks four different languages, English, French, Italian, and some Greek, which is uh-huh. pretty cool. Okay. She has tons and tons of credits on IMDb, uh, like as you would see from that list of things that she's most familiar with, most of them are animated series that she's done voice work for. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Her first credit on IMDb was in 1987 when she voiced Biko uh, Daitokoju 
in the mm-hmm. English version of the animated project Project Echo 2 plot of the Daitokuji. Daitokuji, yes. Oh, wait, wait, no, sorry. Plot of the Daitokuji Financial Group. Oh. <laughs> The, the, Wait a the, the last half of that was on the next line. I had to. I have no that. idea what this show or thing is even about. But on one hand, plot of the Daitokuji sounds like it should be some like street gang. No, no, it's it's plot of the Daitokuji Financial Group, which suddenly is now like the high hijinks of finance. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> This went from really cool to really not cool in two words. Yeah. Well, you know, there you go. Uh, It is one of those things that started off in uh, Japan and made its way over to uh, the U.S. There you go. We have Bruce Harwood, who plays Dr. Osborne. Mm -hmm. He was born in 63 in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Uh, He apparently trained for years to be a professional ice skater Ah, uh, and then decided to do acting, I guess. Mm. Um, he worked at the Vancouver library for many years until his acting work was able to finally support him, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. One of his most famous roles was in the X-Files as John Fitzgerald Byers. So that's probably where most people would recognize his face. Mm -hmm. His first IMDb credit was in 1988 when he played Leland Eugene, MD, psychiatrist in Earth Star Voyager, which was a story on the magical world of Disney. Oh, okay. I remember so, the magical world of Disney. I remember that. We would used to watch that uh, on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday Saturday, evening. Some, some, yeah, so it's one of those two. Yep. Yep. Uh, we have Paul Perry, who plays Dr. Woods. Uh-huh. Uh, he was born in 53 in New Haven, Connecticut. So he's an American, not a Canadian, which doesn't mm-hmm. really mean anything to anybody. Uh, uh, he is an actor known for Demolition Man, for Manhunter, mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. Chaos. Uh, okay. And he got his start, according to IMDb, in 1981, when he mm-hmm. played Joey Perini number 2, slash mm-hmm. Joey Perini, in several episodes of the soap opera Another world, which makes me really, really curious as to why he's Joey Perini number two slash Joey Perini. What is going on? But as soon as you said soap opera, I'm like, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, Joey, good to see you. I'm not Joey. I'm Joey's twin, Joey. Well, there you go. I'm Joey's evil twin, Joey. (laughs) But you can call me Mr. Perini. You can call me number two. Wait. (laughs) Oh, boy. (sighs) All right. So we also have Dorian Harewood, who plays Thorin. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was born in 1950 in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, he is best known for Full Metal Jacket in 87, Space Jam mm-hmm. in 96, and Sudden Death in 95. Mm-hmm. Um, in, uh, so he played Simon Haley, the father of Alex Haley, in Roots, The Next Generations mm-hmm. in 1979. Um, gotcha. And uh, now that was a show apparently, I have never actually seen this, but there's some some time jumping going on there. So he plays 24-year-old in 1914 and the 77-year-old in 1967. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And so 
even though he played uh, he played uh, the father of Damon Evans and James Earl Jones in this movie, but he is uh, hmm. more than ten years and nineteen years their junior, respectively. James Earl Jones is nineteen years older than him, and Damien, Damon oh, Evans see. is ten I months see. older than him, and yet gotcha. he was playing their father. Yes. In that, which yes. makes sense when you have the two different time frames going on there, yes, but is uh, fascinating. Well, they were they were really exercising their acting chops. Is what, Indeed, what was going on there. Indeed, um, he made his Broadway debut with the legendary actress Arlene Francis in what was to be her final stage appearance in "Don't Call Back." Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it closed on its first performance after previews. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that we will meet Thorin again. Mm, okay. Uh, in a couple episodes. So look for him again in a few episodes. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, his first IMDb oh, credit. Which makes sense because this one ended on something of a cliffhanger. Got indeed. It. Yep, yep. Yep. His first IMDb credit was in 1975 when he played Jama in a couple episodes of Swiss Family Robinson, the TV series. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So there you go. And mm-hmm. we have one more. Uh, mm-hmm. Anna Grauer. She plays mm-hmm. uh, Ayana. Mm-hmm. She was born in 75 in Mexico City. Uh, she is best known for House of the Dead in 2003, Elysium in 13, and Firewall in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, her mother worked as a caterer on MacGyver back in oh. you know the seasons of that. And then, of course, she appears... Uh, in this episode, uh, with Richard Dean Anderson, yes. and we will see her in an episode of Atlantis, and she'll be in a few yeah, episodes okay. gotcha. of Universe. Okay, there we uh, go. So we'll see her face again there later. Her first IMDb credit was playing Deborah in one episode of Sliders back in 1996. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. there you go. There you go. Uh, this episode originally aired on June 28, 2002. Number one mm-hmm. on the charts in the UK. They were still listening to A Little Less Conversation by Elvis V versus JXL. Yep. But in the US, they had gotten rid of whatever they were listening before, and now they're listening to Nelly sing Hot in Here. Or yep. is, it, is it here? Here. Here. It's getting hot in here. So hot, so take off. Hmm. Okay. It gets uh, it gets it gets real forward there. It, okay, well, so there you go. It's funny. I was just listening to one of my absolute favorite podcasts, the British History Podcast. Uh, I listened to that. That's a good podcast. I like it's that. It's a very good podcast. And the latest episode that just dropped uh, mentioned or brought up the legend of Lady Godiva and her ride mm-hmm. through the town square without a stitch of clothing on and so this song was playing in the background while he was talking about that story ah I haven't listened to that episode so I will look forward to hearing yes. about that uh, in a few days alright number yep. one in the box office this week mm-hmm. yes. we have number one Mr. Deeds number two Minority Report number three Lilo and Stitch number four <laughs> Scooby Doo and yep. number five The Born Identity I don't Mr. Deeds I think that's an Adam Sandler movie. <gasps> Is that it? I think that's right. I think that's right. 
But this is also Adam Sandler after Happy Gilmore, which is basically, I mean, I can't remember. Did he do, was it, it was um, 50 first dates, 30, whatever, with Drew Barrymore? I thought that was okay. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. I thought it was well received. I don't remember. But uh, Adam Sandler definitely, I guess Wedding Singers, whatever. I don't know. I, why am I doing this? I haven't seen any of these movies. And so why am I even trying to be all like, Adam Sandler's film career took a nosedive after Happy Gilmore. Yeah. During his work on Mr. Deeds. This know. this was a movie where he was definitely, as I recall, trying to pick up on some of the magic of Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Yeah. And I'm not certain it worked as well as it could have. Yeah. No. So, um, now what was happening around this time beyond the box office and the number one on the charts? On the 26th, the NBA draft occurred, June 26th, mm-hmm. 2002. And Shanghai Sharks center Yao Ming uh, became the number one draft pick by the Houston Rockets. Aha, uh-huh, Okay. So this is the entrance of Yao Ming into yep. the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, on June 28th in South Africa, the Congress of South African Trade Unions and the Treatment Action Campaign table a national HIV-AIDS treatment plan in the National Economic Development and Labor Council. Hmm. Well, um, I that's would no good. be interested to know what was happening there. To some degree, because mm-hmm. this doesn't tell me a whole lot about that. Well, I mean, yes, and I'm I'm assuming the worst. Like, oh, probably they probably help, couldn't help people with a debilitating with a, with a, with a terrible disease that can be managed successfully with 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 treatment. No, surely not. Well, how how manageable was it in 2002? So that's one question. Uh, yeah, in I mean, that's a okay. That's two, a fair retort. Um, but we it, have a whole lot of uh, debates about what we should and shouldn't do regarding. Uh, the coronavirus now, mm-hmm. um, and so we we table things that we don't know how to talk about. Fair. I'm grumpy because I'm you know I'm I'm Captain Science, right? Go eat like, your bagel. I already ate my bagel. Oh, okay. It's been digested. Well, that's more than I needed to know. But speaking of digestion, <laughs> uh, on June twenty nine. U.S. Vice President Dick Cheney serves as acting president for two and a half hours while President George W. Bush undergoes a colonoscopy procedure. (laughs) (laughs) But to do that, you have to have not digested for several hours. Well, fair enough. It was a loose transition. Mm. Give me a break. Mm. (laughs) I was drinking coffee there, big guy. You didn't need to use the word loose. Ugh. Anyway, carrying on. All right. Also (laughs) on June 29th, uh, the naval clashes between South Korea and North Korea lead to the death of six South Korean sailors and the sinking of a North Korean vessel. Mm -hmm. And also, finally, on June 29th, actor-comedian Tom Arnold, who was 43 at the time, weds Shelby Ruse who was 29 at the time, at the Four mm-hmm. Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. There you go. Congratulations. Which, there you go. Okay. Hi, Vala. Hi, Vala. How are you doing? Are you going to continue to block me from reading my show notes? I'm you going need to, to pay attention now. to her. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I do need to pay attention to her because <laughs> Julie's not here right now. And so 
father's like, give me all the attention. Mm-hmm. Which, for those of you who know the character of Vala in Stargate SG-1, will notice Which that she fits her mean. namesake very, very well. Oh, she had, uh, okay, whatever. I'm I gonna, told I'm you, gonna... I told you that she was from Stargate. No, 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 I knew that much, and I also knew that, that you keep alluding to the fact that, like, the name fits her well, but I just don't know why. Ah, well, well, that that's among many of the possible reasons for that. In any case, now that she has been moved <laughs> for now, we shall continue with the trivia. Yes, let's, let's, let's talk some trivia. Okay. So, Major Carter states that she hopes that Dr. Woods activated his EPI, EPIRB, his EPIRB, which stands for the Emergency Position Indicating Radio Beacon. The EPIRB is a small radio transmitter often carried by boats and ships or anyone in a remote area that doesn't have access to standard emergency services. Mm -hmm. The EPIRB sends out a radio signal at 406 megahertz. And this frequency is monitored by a number of satellites operated by different rescue services around the world and can be used to rescue personnel and to triangulate the beacon's position. Gotcha. So so it's a little like GPS-ish. It, it is kind of like that, but, uh, but another, different. a little different. Although, you know, GPS, um, you still need something to to connect to it. yeah. So the, the, the like GPS is that it is using satellites to triangulate a position. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is 2002. So GPS wasn't a really strong thing back then, at least not Correct. publicly. Yeah, it was available, but it was not. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't on your phone. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so the exterior shots of the base are images of an actual research base in Antarctica called mm-hmm. the Amundsen-Scott South Pole Station, which is operated by the National Science Foundation. Uh, they do lots of different scientific research programs there, uh, including focusing on glaciology, geophysics, meteorology, upper atmosphere physics, astronomy, astrophysics, biomedical studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2005, the largest research program there has uh, at the base is the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory, which is one of the very few places on Earth where stellar neutrinos can be detected. Mm-hmm. The base is located directly over the terrestrial South Pole. Uh, the original base was built in 1957 by the U.S. Navy Engineering Corps, uh, mm-hmm. but the large geodesic dome seen in the exterior shots was built in '75 and mm-hmm. houses uh, smaller structures. The purpose of the dome being to protect the residents and equipment from the extreme cold and high winds as temperatures at the South Pole can reach as low as minus 130 degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. or minus 90 degrees Celsius, whichever one you choose. Both However, very cold. It, very cold. I, I'm of the opinion that once it gets to a certain level, uh, probably around, 100, around minus 50 Fahrenheit, it doesn't matter. It's just blinking cold. Yes. Beyond I mean, that, it's, I mean, for it's, scientists and all of that stuff, it doesn't oh, yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, hundred percent. Well, it absolutely matters. But for a person, it's like, look, you're just, you're just, you're just in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to, you need to be in shelter as soon as you can get into a shelter, even um, if it's mobile shelter on your body. You can't. No, no, that's a bad, bad situation. Yeah. Now, uh, frequent snow, strong winds started burying the dome in snow and ice. And so in 2010, it was dismantled and replaced mm-hmm. with buildings 
elevated above the ground on steel beams, allowing the snowdrifts to pass under the buildings. If you, so listener and or Zach, if you have not gone to Wikipedia and looked up the uh, Edmondson Scott South Pole Station, it's a pretty fascinating piece of uh, architecture. Like they they built the building such that the winds it's themselves are able to clear snow away from the building. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And you know, and they they also recognize that the things are going to happen such that it's going to cause the snow to eventually rise up anyway, and so I think they built it such that they can lift the like pedestals that it's on basically and kind of reset them and then jack the building up a little higher or whatever. I mean, like oh. they, they, yeah, it's 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 a very interestingly well thought out design. Lots of fun. Cool stuff. Well, you know, it's it, I always find it amazing. This is a little off topic, but I always find it amazing how nature uh manifests in building design uh, yes you know so like basically buildings who are built in heavy earthquake areas are built on giant ball bearings yes so that when the ground shakes the 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 building just kind of wobbles back and forth on its ball bearings yep. and then settles yep. back into place which i think yep. is just absolutely fascinating that yep. type of thing um you know, so this this is writes up there with Just that right up there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep, cool. Uh, so this episode apparently features a fourth variation of the opening credits. Uh, I didn't notice an obvious difference between this and last week, um, but it's possible that there was a difference. So I don't know if if you noticed uh, a difference. Interestingly, yeah. As I was watching it, I I, I yeah I I thought it was different, but I couldn't tell you why. Um, I was sitting there like you know boy there are a lot of there are a lot of shots of richard dean anderson here like <laughs> <laughs> we're really showing richard dean anderson doing things right now well there you um, go and that might have been it but you know yeah there you go um at about 13 minutes and 20 i'm sorry three minutes and 24 seconds there is apparently a pineapple that can be seen on a diesel fuel barrel i looked for it a little bit when i watched it but then i missed it and i didn't go back to go find it um is that like craft services, uh, like like the styrofoam cup in the background of uh, Game of Thrones? Sure, probably. I don't know for sure. Um, uh, up until this point, um, uh, Jonas Quinn, Corin Nemec, would always have food with him. Like he was oh, always yeah. trying to eat, right? He had the banana last week, grapes in the previous. Yeah. And finally, in this episode, there was something where the director said, enough is enough. And Corin, you are no longer allowed to have any food on set. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there's a pineapple back there. eh? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's fun. Um, there appears to be a lot of product placement in this episode <laughs> for the brand yeah. North Face. Oh, yeah. Um, now, besides the mentioning of military weapons and vehicles and the such, uh, this is the first time consumer products are shown in the show in such a blatant manner. Yeah. Uh, and when this episode airs aired on Sky One in the UK, apparently the North Face logos were digitally blurred out. <laughs> That's a lot of blurring they had to do. Yeah. Everybody was walking around. I mean, I even made that comment yesterday, early yesterday. Psh. Last week when I was watching the promo, like That's true. was walking around with North Face, no. and it also it was also sponsored by Skidoo. I will say, however, that um, 
when you are in extreme cold like that, a North Face jacket is a very good jacket for that. I, I, yes, I wonder, right? Like, it's one of those situations, like, I, I don't actually know what people wear in the South Pole Station. I have no Though, idea. Though, I mean, I guess technically they're, no, no. I was about to say, like, my employer, which is a gigantic employer, posted a job a few months ago. For uh, an overwinter position at that very station. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you and three other human beings get to spend eight months there. <laughs> it's like, oh. mm, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hope but, you, you know, like hey, him. You can, at, right? Um, but, you can, but you can ask, do you all wear the North Face or some other brand of jacket? And they would probably be like, Psh, you wear 16 layers of whatever you can get your hands on. <laughs> We're not <Indeed>. too picky. <laughs> um, so at the very beginning of this episode, Carter states that the DHD at Antarctica yeah. ran out of power shortly after it was discovered. Uh, and this definitely explains why uh, the SGC didn't use that instead of the dialing computer in general. Mm -hmm. uh, it also explains why the SGC didn't use that to get Teal'c out of the buffer in the episode 48 hours. Mm -hmm. um, however, it doesn't quite address the situation how the rogue NID, NID unit used it while they were on Earth. Presumably, that was the last few times that it worked, and then yep. shortly thereafter, it ran out of power. There was a couple of things that this episode was doing to do some retcon that I noticed. Um, and I have one quote here from Joseph mm -hmm. Malazzi. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, Frozen is a story that will have repercussions for many episodes to come. I mean, I part of me is like, yeah, no, no kidding. And the end we, of the episode, we, we'll yes, get into it. Yeah, we'll we get into it. Now, in so like last week when we got to Descent uh, and I came to the titles in other languages, yes. everything was pretty much dull and boring. Yes. Well, this is all over the place. Okay. The okay. French call this episode Prisoner of the Ice. Uh -huh. The Italians call it A Body in the Ice. Yes. The okay. Spanish just go with Frozen. Okay. The Czech in the Capture of Ice. Okay, yeah. Uh huh. The Hungarian Frozen into Ice. Yeah, okay. Okay. And our Germans. Yeah. Virus from the Ice. And they did kind of go bonk bonk with it a little. They, 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 let's just take the bad stuff in this episode and go clobber, <laughs> clobber. Yeah, but but some of the other ones, like in like uh, which one? Okay, now I'm, now I'm looking at our notes. I usually look away so that I can have a genuine reaction. Right. Um, in the capture of ice, that's a good one because yeah. are we talking about the person? In, are we talking about what's her face? Or are we talking about the crew? Yes. You right. Know, that. Yep. Yep. All right. Shall we dig into the synopsis? Yes, let's get into this. Previously on Stargate SG-1. Note, the previously is just me being an editorial person because it's not actually previously. But anyway, previously on SG-1, it's really cold in Antarctica, and they found a gate and a couple of Jaffa and a DHD that stopped working, and Jack almost died. Can I pause you real quick? Sure. What? I for I don't remember the frozen Jaffa at all. Um. So we don't actually, like, talk about them but you do see them frozen in the ice in the episode solitudes so it's and a visual thing it. you see them or their armor or something but they yeah. don't actually do anything with them 
Gotcha. So that's why I don't remember. Yep. Got okay. it. Okay. Carry on. And now, it's still cold in Antarctica, and Dr. Francine Michaels heads up a research base where the Beta Gate was found. The season, their season in Antarctica, is almost finished, and she's talking with Major Carter over Zoom about the fact that they've still not found <laughs> anything yet after four years. Between that and the masks, the they were putting on their regular medical masks. I was just sitting there just like, yeah, this is like today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and you had Jonas, who's like, I'm gonna I put this on. Can I take it off? Can I put it on? I take it off. Yep. Yep. Oh, I'm just gonna take it off. Okay. Yep. Something. Everything old is new again, or new at all. Whatever. Uh, hey, carrying on. But because the audience needs to know that they talk about how the Betagate DHD was estimated to be 50 million years old, the oldest in the existence, and that's probably why it ran out of energy and died. Surely there's gotta be something more in Antarctica. And as if on cue, doctors Norm Woods and Harold Osborne interrupt the Zoom meeting with an exhilarating discovery. They found something in the ice. Now that is exciting. And so SG-1, along with Janet Fraser, bundle up in their North Face gear and fly <laughs> down to Antarctica to see in person what precisely they found in the ice. It appears to be the frozen body of a woman. Dr. Michaels named her Ayana. According to their core samples of the ice around her and their core samples of her as they drilled a little hole into her arm, Ariana appe Ayana appears to be several million years old. A shocking discovery. Could have a human evolution be significantly older than everything we had ever thought? But things get stranger. Dr. Michaels took a cell sample from Ayana, and her cells appear to be intact. That is to say, they do not appear to have been damaged by the freezing process. It's time to thaw the ice and remove Ayana from her icy tomb. And so they crank up the heat in the isolation room. Slowly, the ice melts. When Ayana's face is exposed... They begin to do some preliminary tests and are utterly stunned when they see a cortical response. Is she alive? Quick, crank up the heat to maximum. Heat to maximum. We gotta get her out of the ice. As Ayana thaws, her body begins to turn itself back on. It shouldn't be possible, but she is very, very much alive. Doctors Woods and Osborne head back out to the site where Ayana was found to get more ice samples. Perhaps there is something more there. Meanwhile, Jonas tries to talk with Ayana. It turns out that she can talk, though it appears to be a struggle for her to do so. That said, she doesn't speak English. Yes, Jonas speaks perfect English. But Ayana doesn't. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. Jonas is really smart. Uh, well, yeah, okay. So he also discovers that the wound in her arm, you know, from where they took the cell sample, has completely healed. Amazing. Mm -hmm. He also gives her some food, and it doesn't take long for her to dig right in. It may not be too good, but, you know, if you haven't eaten for several million years, I guess you're not going to be too picky about what you're eating. She's probably a little hungry. Just saying. It's been a while. 
Carter and Frazier watch from the observation room, and Frazier tells Carter that Ayana's EEG shows similarities between her brain and that of Cassandra's brain when Nirti's genetic manipulation was affecting her, as well as that of Colonel O'Neill's brain when his mind was overtaken by the knowledge of the ancients. Could Ayana be an example of an advanced stage in human evolution? Well, that can't be possible. Uh, that would put her in front of them in the evolutionary path, and she's several million years behind them. Unless, unless this is not the first time humans evolved on Earth. <gasps> Could it be that we are not the first iteration of this form? Is it possible that Ayana was an ancient? Oh, wait a minute. The questions abound. Stick a pin in that one. Pin stuck. <laughs> Suddenly, Jonas calls them into the quarantine lab because Dr. Michaels has collapsed. She's become very, very sick. They could have thawed a dangerous virus along with... Could they have thawed a dangerous virus along with Ayana? Could Ayana herself be the cause? There are lots of questions and very, very few answers. Dr. Frazier decides to put the whole base under quarantine. Of course, with the storm that is approaching, no one would have been able to reach them anyway, so... Great. The team begin to worry about Osborne and Woods. There is a storm raging, and if they get sick like Michaels did, well, that would be very, very bad. Fortunately, Osborne makes it back to the base. He's in pretty rough shape, and Woods is not with him. They got separated. So Teal'c and O'Neill bundle up in their North Face gear and head out on snowmobiles to search for the missing scientist. Meanwhile, Jonas discovers that Ayana can actually understand him. She doesn't seem to be able to speak English beyond a few words here or there, but she understands what they're all saying. She realizes that she is likely the cause of the ailment afflicting them, but she doesn't know what she can do about it. O'Neill and Teal'c find Woods, who is severely frostbit and dying. The team work feverishly to save him. He goes into defib, but before Dr. Frazier can zap him with the paddles, Ayana steps to him, places her hands on his head and chest, and begins to heal him. Woods takes a deep breath. The frostbite is healed, and any trace of the virus seems to be gone. Woods is alive! Hooray! Hooray! But the healing seemed to have weakened Ayana, and she collapses. Fortunately, she's okay. Jonas asks her if she knew what she did and how. And he asks if she could do it again for Michaels and Osborne. She is willing. She heals them. And again, she is weakened by the endeavor. Dr. Fraser notices that Ayana's white blood cell count is rapidly declining. Knowing that SG-1 and Fraser will all get sick soon, she orders all of them to bed to rest. Fast forward to when SG-1 and Fraser are all super sick. Dr. Woods comes to Ayana and thanks her for saving his life. He is very grateful. But Ayana has decided what she has to do, and she renders him unconscious and heads immediately to the barracks. She heals Frazier and Carter. She then goes to Jonas and heals him too, but she has become too sick herself to be able to help Jack. Oh no. Oh no. The storm has passed, and help can finally arrive. They move everyone back to the SGC. Both Jack and Ayana are dying. 
Jonas goes to talk with Ayana. He's hopeful that she'll recover. He's hopeful she'll be able to heal O'Neill. But she shakes her head, whispers the word sorry, and dies. O'Neill's only hope now is the Tok'ra. The Tok'ra Thorin arrives to assist as he is able. O'Neill's condition is too far gone for the hand device to be of any use, but there is another option. There is a Tok'ra symbiote he, who needs a host. The two could blend. The symbiote could heal O'Neill, reveal the super important information that he has from his own undercover mission, and then, once a suitable replacement could be found, leave O'Neill's body. Suffice it to say, O'Neill doesn't like this plan. His feelings for snakes in the head are obvious to anyone who has ever met the colonel. But Carter is able to convince him to accept the Toker offer. They gather Jack up in a medical capsule, and soon Carter, Teal, Jonas, Thorin, and a couple of medics that we don't know walk through the Stargate <laughs> as General Hammond looks on. The end. The end. And so, my dear friend Brent. Yeah. The episode Frozen, and I'm talking about the Stargate SG-1 episode Frozen, not the movie Frozen. Yeah. And certainly not the movie Frozen 2. Yeah. Or Frozen whatever number is coming after that, or has come, or I have no idea. (laughs) The SG-1 episode. Yeah. What'd you think? Um... I am not exactly sure how to think about this or how to feel about this one. <clears throat> there was some parts about the episode on the first half that I thought were technically, from a technical television production point of view, technically um, really interesting. They did uh, a couple of scene changes uh, in a transitionary style that I thought was exceptionally good. Uh Specifically around the medical, uh, you know, the the, the 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 medical room, the isolation room, right? Um, where Jonas and, um, oh golly, I've heard you say it fifteen times, um, Ayana. Ayana. Jonas and Ayana are having a conversation, and then we cut to Fraser and Carter having a conversation in the observation room. And how that transition was done was basically a pan and a change of focus. And now we're in the observation room. We have that scene. Mm-hmm. And, we ch- and we cut back to the observation room through the uh, monitor in the observation room. Back, you know, like, like that. Technically, those scene changes were quite good. Uh, quite, quite visually interesting and appealing and different yeah. from what we had seen in the show so far. Um, but that's a really, really technical thing for me to be like, I really like the way they did the scene changes. Um, it has nothing to do with the story. Uh, the story, when I got to the end of it, um, I thought that they did not do a good job with the story. Uh, I thought it was very, very, very slow, uh, in the second half. Uh, it just dragged on and I have a feeling I mean, and, you know, Joe Malazzi says as much that this is a very, very important episode. And, you know, on the face of it, I can absolutely get behind it. Like, duh, Jack's in a coma and his only chance of survival is getting a symbiote to blend with him. That's a big deal. Um, Like a very big deal. And we know about the consequences of that decision because of Carter and her experience with having a symbiote blend with her and then having it no longer there. Um, So the... 
you know, what's going to happen next is actually pretty darn important. Mm-hmm. And who Ayana is, is also very important. Um, I didn't really appreciate who she is or who she might be or what, what precursor she might be until you were reading the synopsis. Mm. And frankly, when you said, you know, is she an ancient? It, the thought was like, oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Um, so, you know, that that might be a piece of the puzzle is something that's intriguing. And I don't know if I missed it or what, but um, but very much more to the point, even even if I didn't miss it. And now somebody's worried that there might be some spoiler reaction. Let me just put some minds at ease when you were reading it back. And I'm like, right. She puts her hands on the person and heals them. Very reminiscent of a hand device that Gould use. And so, yeah, it looks magical. And as a result, I'm looking at it. I didn't even really, my my hackles weren't even raised. As I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering why not my ha- why were my hackles not raised? That that you know, a science fiction show suddenly takes a look and. Does a little magic action. Well, I don't know. We, we've got uh, Oma Dasala. She's kind of magical, right? I mean, we, we, we had some really unexplainable moments happen, so maybe I shouldn't get too bent out of shape. But anyway, um, uh, Ayana does a thing that is strongly reminiscent of how Gould hand devices heal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, 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 it's very much calling that kind of vibe. So Brent is now wondering, and Zach, you can't say a word, but Brent's now thinking, oh, are these humanoids, you know, that, that question of, is this not the first time that humans evolved on Earth? Or, you know, the, 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 the human-like species evolved on Earth? Um, uh, you know, are these amazingly powerful uh, humanoid ghoul who we've established are not the first iteration of the Gulwuld. The Gulwuld originally got into the Unas and then later got into humans or mm-hmm. people that look like humans. Uh, did they get into humans or did they get into this precursor human? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did the technology of the ancients get usurped like profoundly by the Gulwuld? And we know that they usurped the gate technology. And did they usurp other things? Are we actually, are the Gould actually using dumb versions of this technology or this, mm. this ability? Mm-hmm. Um, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so, uh, and so now I'm sitting here like, oh, am I looking at a watershed moment in the Stargate universe? We've switched to a new network. I have the ability of knowing broad strokes of the future, including four more seasons on sci-fi, a few of Atlantis and one or two of, of universe along with a movie or two like this, this story carries on. This story has legs and I really, really doubt. And I also know, but I don't know in specific, I really, really doubt that it's going to keep going on in Cheyenne mountain. Right? Like I kind of like, like the angle of that scrappy do, uh, I, I know that people have feelings about Scrappy Doo. That scrappy um, <laughs> band of uh, U.S. Air Force personnel and their their fight against uh, the evils of the universe, uh, you know, through 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 ingenuity and 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 cleverness. Um, that story, in very tight specific notion, can't have much more 
in the in the tank. I don't think you got to be able to transition it into something a little bit different or better or bigger. Um, am I looking at the first moment of it? Am I looking at this moment going of like as I'm sort of talking this thing through? Will I in a season or two go? Yeah, and that's where it all started. Now, after I watched the episode, none of these thoughts were in my head at all. Not a single one. It's only after listening to the synopsis again that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This actually, I think, is more important than I got the impression of when I watched it. And maybe it's Joe Malazzi kind of giving me the clue of like, yeah, this is like a big deal. Um, At the time, I definitely thought the story was too slow. And so as a result, when I finished watching, I was like, okay, all right. Well, I don't know what's going to happen to O'Neill, but it's probably going to be dramatic in and of itself. And I guess I'll have to wait till next time. Um, and that's kind of how I felt. It was it was a bit of a of a meh moment. Sure. Uh, so um, now I'm going to pitch it back to you, Zach. But I kind of put you in a pickle. And the reason why is, um, like I said, I finished the episode and I said kind of meh. And that's how I'm going to give my review, by the way, because that's my rule is okay. that. I usually stick to what I was feeling immediately after watching the episode. Sometimes our conversation can bump it up, but it's rare that our conversation can really vault it. Sure. But I also have this sneaking suspicion that this episode might be more important than I'm giving it credit for. And so I'm not sure if you feel comfortable responding to that idea. So I will start talking about it and I will say what I can say about various things. Gotcha. Um, I like this episode. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this episode. Uh, the things that you were talking about um, with the the camera angles and the technical stuff of, of uh, moving around, uh, rarely do you have that because it's so difficult to have actors acting in the background. Um, oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, that's what you want. Um, and yet, you know, they do that. Um I appreciate that. I got a chance to uh, look at, um, you know, how, and I should put this in the trivia. I didn't. Um, but uh, uh, Ona Grauer, who plays Ayana, mm-hmm. uh, she had to have one of those uh, face mask uh, molds made of her face uh, so that they could get the silicone, or not the, the you know, the uh, acrylic and, and, and such uh, in that uh, ice block because that was oh, made, yeah. uh, to to line up with her face nicely. And it works wonderfully because mm-hmm. she's in there. And when they lift up that, that, that cloth, you see her face. And it really does look like she's frozen into that. Yes. Because it's molded perfectly to her face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the I, 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 I mean, the, the whole episode is a little bit uh, contrived in that would you really send SG-1 and Frasier to see oh, yeah. something yeah, yeah, that yeah. we don't know yet about? Right. right. Um, probably not, but if you don't have that, you don't have the story. Right. Um, but I can go with... I, I, you know, TV does that all the time, and so I can totally run with that. I'm yes. totally fine with that. Um, you know, so... And I, I like the, the interplay between uh, Ayana and Jonas. I just find that... It, it brings a new level to Jonas that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. That we want to see, um, you know, and it brings credence to that idea. Like way back in Redemption, uh, O'Neill was like, 
or, or Hammond was like, you need to have this person on your team who can fill this role. Because no one else besides Jonas, Daniel could have if he had been there, uh, would have been able to step into that role and interact with Ayana on that level. Right. That's not the skill set of the other folks. Right. Uh, and so now you see this little bit that says, ah, Hammond, you're right. And this is a valuable thing. Um, and it even helps me to recognize things like, uh, you know, why does Jonas's character have to feel so much like Daniel? Because Jonas was specifically selected to fill the same roles that Daniel filled. Mm-hmm. And so that makes a lot of sense. And, and it works well. I appreciate that. Um, the whole idea of uh, the the Hoktar idea of the advanced human coming back, mm. and then learning that the Hoktar that advanced human might be might predate us is right. a a moment in the story that you just go, uh, what what do we do with that? And and we haven't scratched the surface as to what that could possibly mean. Uh, I'm not going to tell you whether we do. I'm just going to toss that out there. Yep. Um, I, you know, I can't talk to that too much. Um, uh, you know, then, then you know, I, I will say the, the, the story of the, 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 the scientists in there who are working, they're just doing their scientist things, and mm-hmm. then they find something finally, which is exciting. Because, you know, frankly, when you're doing scientist-y things like this, if you find something every four years, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know? Um, and they find something, and we get to see their witness, and holy smokes, it's not just something. Even if it had been a dead body, it would have been something amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, but now we get something even bigger than that. She's alive, uh, and she represents something different. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? Where do we go from that? Who knows? But those questions are intriguing, and I love them. Um, you know, the fact that... Uh, uh, Ayana has this capacity to heal people, which is really good because she's giving them a sickness, which is really bad. But uh, then, you know, she's out there to heal them, but then she gets sick in the process from healing them because it's tiring. Um, you know, that, that that connection to how she heals and how the ghoul hand devices work, could those be related? That's a fascinating question. Mm-hmm. We'll find out, or we won't. I can't tell you. Um, you know, I, I will say that... Uh, the end of the story, the, the quick transition back to the base and then the Tok'ra and all of that stuff mm-hmm. feels a little forced. Uh, more than a little bit forced, probably. Um, and yet, it's still there. Uh, it still works well uh, enough, uh, especially when you look at this. It's like last week we talked about Descent as it's just being kind of an episode that, that takes the day in the life of yeah. the SGC. Or the yep. SG-1 team. And this kind of does the same type of thing. Uh, we've got yep, some extraordinary cool. events happening, but this is sort of a day in the life or a week in the life, you know, or yep. you know, the time in the life. And uh, it is totally plausible. It makes sense that if all of this happened and O'Neill walks away from, well, gets carried away from Antarctica sick, that they would turn to, and they don't have anything on Earth, we already know that, would turn they would turn to their off-world allies. Well, who's mm-hmm. left of their off-world allies? Mm-hmm. The right. Tok'ra. That's it. I mean, you could potentially call the Asgard, but um, they're kind of hit or miss. It's hard to tell for sure what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they call the Tok'ra, and the Tok'ra gives 
um, you know, we've already seen times where the hand device isn't strong enough to do what needs to get done. Right. Um, you know, it's very convenient that they have a Tokra symbiote ready to go, ready and able and all of that stuff. But, you know, I can totally get behind that because it's a TV show. Yes. It's, um, and then you get that fascinating question because we all know that Jack does not like the Tokra. He right. especially doesn't like the snaky part of the Tokra. He can live with them. He likes Jacob, okay, but you know the idea. And when he says "over my dead body," uh, that's not hyperbole. That's actually what he's saying. Yes. Um, and then at the last moment, you kind of get this this kind of plead from Carter in a nonverbal way. This is your only chance. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. Which is great because it just highlights again that special relationship they have. I don't think even Teal'c could have convinced O'Neill in that situation to right. take on the symbiote. But uh, Carter is there and she can do that. Uh, and so, you know, just the way the characters interact, I like that. Um, and then what's going to happen with, T- with, with, the, with O'Neill? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is going to the Tok'ra and they're going to put a symbiote in him. And he's not going to be happy with that, presumably. Uh, How is that going to work? Uh, Those questions are just fascinating questions. I love that this is an episode that tells us a story. And for me, it's a story that works. And it's a story that is -hmm. is engaging. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate it. And in the midst of all of that, it also asks a whole lot of uh, ground-shaking questions. What is this stuff with the evolutionary chain of events? What's going on? How does this work? Who is Ayana? What's her deal? How'd she get the healing power? Is she an advanced human that came before us? How does that work? Uh, And then, of course, the questions around uh, O'Neill. What's Mm going to happen with him? How is this going to change the relationship that the SGC has with the Tok'ra, Mm -hmm. uh, with this experience? Um, How is... Uh, how is this going to change O'Neill's perspective on the Tok'ra? Is this going to have radical changes for him? Is he going to appreciate them better uh, or not? What? We don't know. Mm-hmm. I love those questions. Um, and so just with all of this that's happening, I just, I appreciate the episode. I like mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I have an increasing level of confidence that this episode... Um, is redefining an awful lot of stuff. I forgot to bring up the the retcon pin that I kind of set at the beginning of our talk. Um, I noticed when Jonas, Jonas, I think it was Jonas, was mentioning that the uh, the Giza Gate was buried two thousand years ago, which is right. a, which is a very different number than what we were told at the beginning. So I think that, for what it's worth, is a an error. That's a goof. Um, well. But it would make okay. F- well, okay, all right. I mean, keep going. Okay. Keep talking. Oh, well, I, so I took that as <clears throat> because I mean, come on, like, like we're not watching, we're not watching a documentary, right? This, this is a, this is, this is an entertainment show. Um, you know, we're inconsistencies or retcon or just flat out redefinitions. Um sometimes happen in the service of trying to get the show to go someplace else. True. And so the last time that we talked about when the Giza gate got buried, 
Uh, it was, I mean, did we even mention it in the television show? And if we did, it was season one. Like, it was a long yeah. time ago. I mean, the movie says it was uh, about 10,000 years ago. Right. So that would put it at right. 8,000 BC. Yes. Um, and Which I mean, legitimately puts it, I think think if my archae- if my history is is actually technically before uh uh the time of um before the time of the Egyptians. Yeah, 4000 years before the time of the Egyptians. Like like we're talking the dawn, the dawn of what we consider civilization. The well, absolute dawn. So I guess I will say this that that uh we don't know when it was buried per se but we know mm-hmm. that it was operatable operable in 4000 b or 8000 bc according to the movie yeah 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 yes yes but um things get well yeah no actually okay all right i'm going to get off this high horse i think you're right that is an error because if it was buried 2000 years ago then that puts it at the time when the Romans owned Egypt and that's, you know, there was lots of people writing about all sorts of stuff back then. Somebody would have been all like, what is this gate? Okay. You're right. I think the assumption uh, internally is that the Giza gate was buried uh, in the time of the Egyptians at some point. So that could be as late as 2000 BC uh, I suppose me, uh, you it, know, so like it had to be before writing. Occurred. That's exactly right. It's got to be prehistory. So, uh, but the uh, Antarctic gate was used, was continuing to be used by the Gould in some fashion. Yeah. After that. Right. That's the general understanding of things. Now, that doesn't actually uh, fit well with reality. Uh, but it's a TV show, and so we can run with it. Yeah, and so, but bringing it back to sort of the the, the gist of uh, you know uh, acknowledging that what Jonah said was probably a bit of a continuity error, uh, unless a redefining of core aspects of the show. I still get the sneaking suspicion that this episode is is um. I'll use the phrase redefining, but I don't mean it in the bad way. I just mean it in a like they're 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 pouring a new foundation and they're doing it in a way that doesn't tear up the old one, but we're the story's going in that direction. And in order for the story to go in that direction, this has to get poured here. Like we can't go in that direction unless we pour a foundation here. Right. And what is this foundation that's getting poured here? Well, first, and importantly, it's a foundation that I didn't pick up on until you and I started talking about it after I watched it. So so either I was just dense and didn't pick it up, or it was something that kind of took a few tries, or it's something that becomes uh, important as I reflect on it as I watch episodes. But when I was in the middle of watching this episode, I did not think that a new foundation was getting poured necessarily. It was just a bunch of new information and kind of this interesting thing. And it felt like a reset to zero in some respects, except for Jack going over to the Tok'ra to get a to get a snake in his head. That's new. Um, but anyway, really examining it, though, understanding where it fits within the timeline and 
appreciating how it can be the launching point of a lot of cool story, I have the sense that this is something that is a very important episode. That this, that uh, I'm really interested to hear what people think our predictions are going to be because folks tend to rate these really important episodes highly because they know what it does to the story. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, I don't know where the story is going. I didn't really pick up the the, the notion that um, Ayana might be of a race of people that we might see again, that might be foundational. I was getting the sense that she was from off-world. That was the sense I was getting, hmm. that, that she represents an alien presence, that humanity is derived from that, not that humanity is a separate evolution, not that this, is, that this represents the first go at evolving humanity on Earth. I didn't pick up on I mean, it was said. It was said as much. But people, you know, television shows and scripts and characters make these suppositions all the time. And it turns out, oh, wait a minute. It was us all along. You know, I mean, like like that, that right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. actually, it's not that she's the alien or, you know, it's she's not the alien. We all are. What? Um, you know, like th- that, that happens. That's a thing. And it's fine. It's great. Um, but I didn't pick up on that, even though it was kind of said. So brewing on it, talking about it, listen, like I said, listening to the synopsis again, I am appreciating that this episode is probably pretty impactful, and it certainly makes a ton of sense. New network, new season, new direction-ish. Um, how else would you launch it? Right. You, you know, you, you got to launch it from somewhere. Is this it? There we go. So I will there is say... Still a, go ahead. I'll say this, that... Uh, I don't think this is a rebuilding of old foundations. Ah, okay. um, So the old house is still there. But I 100%, I will agree with you, and, and I will affirm that this is a uh, building of a new section of the house. They're gotcha. building an add-on. And, of course, you need to, when you build a new section of the house, you need to build a foundation for yep. that. And this is a foundation-building episode uh, for that uh, s- that extra section, the section yep. of the house yep. that's being uh, expanded, that's being broadened. We're getting yep. more of things, uh, which will necessarily change the way the house is constructed originally. You know, you have to open up some walls, change yeah, some right. structures of things. The house stays fundamentally the same, but it is different. Mm-hmm. Because we're adding this new thing to it. Yep. Yep. So it'll be go. fun to see what happens in that new house. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, anything else that you have to share about this episode? Not that I can think of. Okay. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Well, then, uh, I would like to know from you, Brent, yeah. how many chevrons you give this episode. So I am going to stick to my guns with that little internal rule that I usually have, which though the conversation does help, I very much rate, keep my ratings based off of how I felt almost immediately after watching it. Okay. And for justifiable reasons or not, I was not that impressed with this episode. It wasn't bad, but by the time I got to the end of it, it felt like the main story had dragged on way too long. It felt like the let's get Jack to the Tok'ra for a symbiote was like, wait, what? That came out of... It felt like that came out of nowhere and happened really quickly. And I'm not yet 
used to Stargate SG-1 doing season arc story, right? So I'm used to them doing a two-parter, To Be Continued, but this one was not a To Be Continued. It was just Jack in, like, you know, the photon torpedo coffin going through the gate, and our our heroes go with him. Like, what's going to happen next? Well, I'm going to have to tune in next week to find out, which is fine. I mean, hey, I'm used to that. Or, I'm sorry, I, I know that, but I haven't yet quite gotten to that zone with Stargate. I'm used to it kind of wrapping up. So, by the time this one ended, I felt a little off base. There was a whole lot of information. It didn't quite sink in. The main story felt like it went on too long. It was fine. Uh, and then this ending really happened, and it didn't end. end. So, when I finished, I'm like, oh, what the heck did I just see? I'm going to give this one a... Five out of seven. And that's with the bump after the conversation. By the ah. time I was done watching it, I was really not there. I wasn't I, I wasn't following along well enough, apparently. There were some pieces of information which I thought were kind of neat. I was way more enamored with how the television show was constructed, not what the story was telling me. So I'm like, eh. So not that good. Um, however, I suspect that people are going to complain that I did not have the right ratio of cream cheese to bagel this morning because I bet you <laughs> lots more people think this is a lot better than what I thought it was. Well, so what about you, Zach? What do you think? So um, I'm going to rate this a six. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a six. Um, it's not a seven because there are some problems with the episode. Uh, the the shift uh, is a little bit harsh um, with the Tokra at the end, uh, it makes sense within the story, but it also doesn't, it, it kind of just kind of jars you. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like you're going up and down the roller coaster and you know that you're going to get, uh, zagged to the left, but then all of a sudden when you get zagged <laughs> to the left, you're like, oh, you know, and it just kind of hits you hard. Yeah. Um, that was not a smooth zag to the left. No, it was not. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's not a bad zag. It's just not smooth. No. Um, so, but but there's there's a lot of foundational stuff in this episode. The acting is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the character development of Jonas. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they're in they're on Earth, but they're in a different place. Um, and yeah. yes. honestly, the the way that Martin Wood shot this episode is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yes. they brought in refrigeration units to cool down their set so that they were actually in a cold space. Nice. Um, you know, I, I could have mentioned that, should have mentioned that earlier, but I didn't. Uh, so for yeah. all of these things, I just, it works for me. Um, yeah. Uh, so I give it a six. Very good. All right. It is now time, Brent. Prediction time. For predictions. All right. All right. Well, here is the first prediction that we have. Okay. Although this episode isn't exactly amazing, it does Wait, lead to Redacted, who? which will turn into which will in turn lead to Redacted. It's also the lead into Redacted, which is one of my favorites. It's very important in the series for what happens later on. I would have to give this episode five out of seven chevrons, and I think Brent and Zach will both give this. Five out of seven as well. Very uh, close. And this is from Kevin. I think I neglected to mention that. You did neglect. So uh, hi, Kevin. This is from Kevin. Uh, thank you, Kevin, for that. And instantly, those redacted sections are his own redactions, not mine. <laughs> uh, I'm not doing that. 
So everybody but, knows what Kevin's talking about, but... Uh, 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 yep, absolutely, 100%. And I, I agree with you, Kevin, although I will give this just a little bit greater bump than that. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is the first one. The next one comes from Susan. Hi, Susan. Susan says, I like this episode. I give it a six. I'm always mm-hmm. a sucker for a trapped in Antarctica with something infectious setting. <laughs> it was wonderful to have Janet along for the ride working with Sam. Even yep. though uh, he's a bit of a weather freak, they started to dampen Jonas's goofy quirkiness and put him to good use establishing rapport and communicating with Ayana. Yep. Very true. It was nice to see Jonas's compassionate side emerge, and of course, the cliffhanger ending with Jack getting carted off by the Tok'ra to be implanted with a snake. Random useless observation. The actress playing Ayana reminded me of Lilu Multipass of the Fifth Element, Mila Jovovich. Maybe yes. that's why I liked her so much. My guess is Brent will give it a five in part for oh, the cool oh, yeah. ski-doo machines that Jack and Teal got to ride for about 12 feet. And Zach will give it a six because he knows the episode is a great setup for what's to come. Oh! Susan, you did it! You got you win. it right! You win! You win! I don't know what you win, but you win it! You won whatever you win! Good job. Nicely yeah. done. Nicely. Well done. Well done. Okay. So, Sean is next. Hi, Sean. Sean says, Major, Doctor, Doctor, Major, Doctor, Major, Major, Doctor. Major, doctor, don't. doctor. I forgot doctor. to take the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. You're going to have 20 more years of seasons. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I did appreciate that scene. I, I love that scene. And uh-huh. it's not the first time that you've seen that type of thing happen on Stargate. And when they do, they nail it they get it right it's just fun yes uh to follow from above yes i felt the fifth element feel too but couldn't pin it at the time until now so yep uh thank you very much for that susan i would agree with you i do get that that vibe that 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 uh lilu multipass yep uh multipass sorry multipass uh, this was a really good episode that actually felt like a two-parter with them being back on the base at the end. The fact mm-hmm. that there was only an A story again made it tense from the start, and the unexpected cliffhanger at the end boosted this from a six to a six and a half. Okay. I couldn't quite give it a seven. Yep. I would agree with you on that, Sean, that it's not quite a seven. Not quite uh, a it seven. is really quite good, um, but I'm just going to keep it at the six. All right. We have Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly predicts that I'm going to give it a 6 out of 7 chevron, yeah. and she thinks that you also were going to give it 6 out of 7 ah, chevrons. Ah, so close! Zach knows where this is leading up to, so I think he'll rate it high. I think Brent mm-hmm. will get the implications and enjoy that it's leading up to something as well, and I can't wait to hear this his wild speculations. It's also <laughs> great to see Jonas integrate into the team and get more hints about the ancients. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I know there was an offer before about what we listeners request for getting Chevron ratings right, and oh, I'm yeah. severely tempted to ask for a watch, walking through the Stargate rendition of "Let It Go." <laughs> <gasps> hmm. I don't know if we have the copyright. Lo- uh, to be Nobody able to do said that. that we had to do it word for word. Ah, I suppose. I suppose if we rechanged, if we changed all of the words and used the music 
That's right. That would qualify as Creative Commons. Yeah, well, it would be a parody at that point. Yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, so, well, she I'll hasn't asked that. for it yet, so we don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Kimberly was just tempted to ask. Yes. She didn't ask. Gotcha. Right. Okay, we have Warren. Hi, Warren. Warren says, I think this one will please you both. I predict five out of seven chevrons for Brent. Yeah. And seven out of seven chevrons oh. for me. <laughs> Super close. <laughs> uh, so close, Warren. Nice. Then he goes on and says, after missing out by about an hour last time, I hope I make the cut today. And you, made you the did, cut. Warren. There you you go. made the cut. You are on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sean says, if you submit a late prediction, do it on Twitter instead. Um, uh, I suppose that's I true. Suppose that's, I don't, the well, catch I is mean, that, like, if it's on Twitter, then who, do, do, <laughs> if you make a tweet, does it make a sound? Uh, <laughs> if you tweet in the if woods. Brent's barely paying attention to Twitter, does it actually have an impact? <laughs> uh, um, and then he asked, I was wondering, is the actor that is found frozen from the fifth element, Lilu? No, it's different actors. Different actors. Uh, well, I thought it was the, I mean, at first glance, so last time I was watching the promo, I said, hey, it's Kate. I was referring to whoever the actress was that plays Kate, I think, where's her name? In Lost. I can't remember the actress' oh, name. Is, is that, that's the one who played, that, that's in um, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, isn't she? Isn't that the same Probably. Man? I think that's. Uh, I'm blanking, but it's just, it's a different actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. No. Okay, next we have Tim. Hi, Tim. Tim says, this is an important episode, even if it isn't a great episode. Mm-hmm. I would give it five chevrons. I think uh-huh. Brent and Zach will both like it more than me, and they will give it a six. Uh, very close. Very, very, very close. Kind of in your camp, Tim. Next we have uh, Helio. Hi, Helio. Helio say, I say both will give a six out of seven chevrons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Zach, because he knows, and Brent, because he doesn't know, and it will intrigue him. <laughs> Which is a sound theory. That is a very good theory. It it's is, like, it know, works. Yes, Zach knows things, and Brent is interested. Yep. Uh, Helio <laughs> continues. He says, not a seven out of seven, because they will discuss how cells should be destroyed upon freezing as the water expands and breaks everything. Well, well, but that we was didn't addressed. talk about that. But they said that normally that's what happens, and it doesn't yeah. happen in this situation. So something special. Something, something's going on here. They have, you know, human antifreeze. Don't drink the antifreeze, kids. It'll kill you. Bad. It's Soylent Green. That's why you don't drink antifreeze. Because it's made out of humans? It's made out of people. Ew. Okay. <laughs> so... Now, now, Brent, we have a yeah. first-time writer here. This is oh, Dan. Oh, we do? Oh, hi. welcome to the show, Dan. Yeah. You know, he and he's tells me no time for another first-time submitter here, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yep, yep. And so, Dan, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate that. Yeah. So, to, Jack to, forgot to, to tape The Simpsons. Dude, just let it go. Oh, yep, nice. I know it's important to him, but by missing it, he's diving into the unknown. Hey ho! We are Excellent. all going headfirst into the unknown with the reveal that humans evolved before us. Yeah. Or Darwin should just let it go. Oh, oh dear. I Uh-oh. was nervous watching this episode the first time because I kept expecting Ayana to sprout tentacles and try to duplicate everyone in the base, but 
since there were no dogs, that kind of eased my concerns. Uh, shout out to The Thing. <laughs> now, I have not seen The Thing. I haven't actually either, but... Uh-oh! So, so, so uh, first-time uh, first reviewer Dan is making a uh, reference that probably many people got, that, but you and I didn't. That is a true statement. That's a true statement. All in all, he continues, this is an important episode. Watching it the first time gives some weight to this, but the big mm-hmm. payoff doesn't happen for a little while. Yeah. Uh, this is... I'd say... Okay, I'd say six from Brent because the mm. icy implications, and a seven from Zach because <laughs> of what we know is to come. Dial it down one, and you're right on the money. Um. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let me see here. I might have to redact this. Come. Uh, He's doing a good job for okay. a first-time writer. Yeah, I know. amazing. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, I hope I got this in on time. I'm a little later than normal posting. You did well done. I'm glad well done. you made it. Uh, decided to sleep in after getting uh dose number two yesterday. Hey, hey congratulations to that group there. Yes. I understand that that first day can be a little bit rough. Yes. Uh, still better than getting the bug. I know that's how I spent my Thanksgiving vacation. Ew. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, new. well, we're glad that you are getting better and the, that you're protecting yourself and all of that stuff, Dan. Welcome. Yep, totally and, agreed. Uh, and totally thank you for writing. We appreciate everyone who writes Yeah. Th- yeah, thank you. All right, I hope we see you again. Yeah, I hope to see you again, Dan. Okay. We do have a couple of emails. Okay. We have Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Caleb says, Frozen was a decent episode. We finally found out what happened to the Beta Gate DHD, mm-hmm. along with the mystery of the woman who was in the ice. Mm-hmm. My predictions are six for Zach mm-hmm. and a six from Brent. Oh, so close. So close. So close. Ah, well, okay. And we have... One more prediction. Yeah. From your friend and mine. Yeah. David. Hi, David. David says this is an Olaf encoding bias buffer. <laughs> That's the only reference I will make to Disney's Frozen. Okay. Hopefully. I've only Hopefully. seen it once and have not seen Frozen 2 or Frozen 3 Olaf's Revenge. Olaf's <laughs> Revenge of Olaf. <laughs> is that actually what it's called? I have no idea. I've never seen it. I've never seen even the first one. Anyway, I'm gonna make everything terrible. Anyway, Frozen. He continued. <laughs> As a standalone episode, it's serviceable. Mm-hmm. We get our heroes out of their environment. We get some cracks in their plot armor. We continue to grow Jonas as a well-rounded character. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens, and we get an unexpected cliffhanger episode where it looks like Jack will have to do the unthinkable. Get yeah. a snake in his head. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. However, it all wraps up kind of quick, and we lose the potentially interesting character of Ayana without learning much about her or her background. So, yeah. on its own, this episode is interesting, but not great. Mm-hmm. In the context of the rest of the season and upcoming seasons, though, this is a big setup story and very important to the future of everything. Mm-hmm. So that, he gives it 42 chevrons. Four, 42? The answer to life, the universe, and everything? That's my own personal uh, editorial. He didn't actually write that. Oh. You know, David, you did miss a great opportunity for a hitchhiker's joke. But in any case, 
<laughs> Here is his prediction. Uh-huh. Five chevrons from Brent because oh. Jack is gang- going to get a symbiote? What a twist! What a twist. Yeah. And for Zach, yeah. six chevrons from Zach hey! because he can't help but know and appreciate the ramifications and implications uh-huh. of what happens in this episode. There we go. We got two. We got two this week. You got it right, David. Congratulations. We got, uh, Susan, who I'm presuming is, I think, I guess Susan is Aunt Susie, I think. But uh, I think I think Susie and Aunt Susie are the same. Yep. yep. So. And David. Well done. Well, well done, you done. two. 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 Nice. All right. So, Brent. Yeah. If you've noticed, last week's episode was basically a stay on Earth episode. Yeah. This week's episode was a stay on Earth episode. Uh Uh-huh. I am going to give you a little hint about next week's episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It also is a stay at home episode. Mm Mm-hmm. But the name of the episode is Nightwalkers. Nightwalkers. And I ask you, what is Nightwalkers about? Hmm. And they stay at home, you say. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. That's right, Brent didn't take the bait. Now, one might say, why didn't Brent take the bait on getting uh, the episode started off in a strange new world? Zach was very, very intentional about being so clear that there was going to be an episode that takes place on Earth. But no, Brent didn't take the bait. So... What could possibly this episode be about? Well, the episode name is Nightwalkers, and the very first thing that Brent thought of was zombies. And that's no good because Brent hates zombie movies. There's only one zombie movie that Brent has ever seen that he's actually enjoyed, and that was 28 Days Later. And one could make the reference that that was a zombie movie, but it also wasn't a zombie movie. So then we're into the other category of what Nightwalkers could be. Perhaps what it's actually referencing is a strange alien on a strange world that reminiscent of a night crawler on Earth. So what we have here is that the team traveled through the gate to find themselves in a strange world populated by walking worms. Now bringing it all back together... It's Jack, who miraculously survives and is better because of his Tok'ra encounter, but we don't get to see anything about that because that's the way that this preview is going. And we find ourselves in a situation where Jack, the fisherman, is getting the bait from the Nightwalkers. Because I'm bringing it all back together with bait, taking the bait, Nightwalkers, Nightcrawlers, worms, fishing... Okay. Hey, is this episode going to be? Join us next time where this episode is all about Jack because that's where Brent went with it with Stargate SG-1's episode, Nightwalkers. So, uh, so Zach. Uh, yes? Is this episode about extraterrestrial worms that can walk? Um, no. Well, I mean, well. maybe. It's, it depends. From a certain point of view, you could make that argument. Does the team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange new world? I told you that they didn't. <laughs> you were very explicit about that. Yeah, yes. So, so no, no new world. Okay. Um, shall we uh, watch the promo <laughs> that David so wonderfully made for us? Yes, yes. Let's actually see what Nightwalkers is actually about. Okay. I'm going to hit play... Now. My name Next is time Fleming. on Stargate SG-1. 
It's two o'clock in the morning. I know what happened to you. I know about Adrian Conrad. Wait, what? Get back to the base. In a seemingly peaceful Oregon town, strange things are happening. Okay. When the night falls, they come out. Tom Cruise. It's a stunt double. The mystery deepens when a disturbing discovery is made. It is. It's all next time on the Stargate Files. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. They're taking it in a different direction this time. All right. Okay. I can deal with that. You don't know yeah. if I noticed was conspicuously absent though. Who? Colonel Jack O'Neill. Well, they just made sure to cut him out of all of the scenes so that you didn't know that he was not actually there. Does he get better? He um, will eventually be seen again. Better. He will eventually be seen again. Come try ya! Come try ya! <laughs> All right! fate, Omoroka? <laughs> well, you know, if I gotta go, if I have to endure the Stargate files and some zombies, then I guess I can do that for the, for the team. I can take one for the team. I never said anything about zombies. They were shuffling in the dark, dude! I did. You know what? You were closer with your walking worms. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do they get used as fishing bait? You get closer with your walking worms, sir. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to. I'm looking forward to next week watching Nightwalkers. Absolutely. Thank you, David, for the promo. Yes, thank you, David. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, tell us what you think about this episode. Yeah. Tell us what we missed. I'm sure there's plenty of things about this episode that we did not talk about it. Uh, you can mm-hmm. email mm-hmm. us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can go to Twitter and talk to us there at Stargate Walking. You can go to the mm-hmm. Facebook page and group and share your stories and thoughts there as well. All sorts of ways that you can get a hold of us and yep. engage with us about this episode and any other episode that we may mm-hmm. or may not have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.